0: Welcome to the Kupinger Cole Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinhardt. I'm an analyst and advisor at Kupinger Cole Analysts. My guest today is Alexey Balagansky. He is a lead analyst with Kupinger Coal, focusing on cybersecurity. Hi, Alexey. Hello, Matthias. Thanks for having me again. Great to have you again. And we are having this topic again. Uh, I had just a few weeks ago a, a talk about the same, a similar topic with our colleague Marina um, and we talked about the impact of cybersecurity uh, of of generative ai on cyber security and um this is something that you just wrote a blog post about and this is a topic that is everybody to- is talking about so let's let's start the discussion maybe from a somewhat different angle from the cybersecurity analyst from the cybersecurity practitioner um and there has been a change in in, in, the, in the in the public notion of how generative AI plays a role in cybersecurity. Can you briefly explain this shift in public business perception towards generative no. AI? Everybody's talking about it, but what did the change?
1: Right, right. Well, first of all, let, uh, I of course uh, listened to the podcast episode with Marina, and I believe. Uh, You were discussing uh, a more general impact of AI on everything, including cybersecurity. Today, I would really want to focus on practical implications. But here, we have to go actually back in time to understand the effect and the impact. So here, as we've probably said multiple times already, AI as a thing, as a science, is not at all new. I mean, it started probably over 70 years ago as an academic field of research. The practical applications began to appear, maybe like in the 90s, or uh, the actual business or uh, use cases became possible and affordable enough with the rise of the cloud, especially the public cloud. And of course, AI tools in cybersecurity. I mean, we've been covering them for at least uh, like at least like almost a decade already. And every time when we said, "Look, uh, there is now a new tool that would help you to." Cut through the noise uh, in the, your results, uh, reduce the false positives, help you understand the nature of an incident, uh, support you in your decision-making. It sounded great at the time, but like everybody around was suspicious at best. They would say, how can you trust AI to make decisions? What if something breaks? Or uh, Basically, uh, it was extremely difficult for vendors uh, to push their uh, AI power tools uh, to the bigger audience. and But then suddenly, oh, chat GPT happened. And overnight, we now have this generative AI craze. It's literally uh, not even blockchain all over again. It's a thousand times more. It's like uh, the tulip mania uh, in Holland in the 17th century where everybody was suddenly growing uh, tulips and you could like buy a house for one bulb, for one flower, basically. And of course, we all know how it ended. It did not last. Or uh, some people made tons of money. Some people lost tons of money. But nowadays, we just know about Holland. It's a lovely country. Lots of tulips. So what? And I believe uh, we have to approach this whole ChatGPT mania from somewhat similar perspective. So yeah, uh, ChatGPT is a great tool. A really interesting technology lots of uh, potential applications. Let's see how it works for cybersecurity specifically. Let's ignore the
0: hype. Right, and with everybody ha- having potentially access to that technology just by using the free version of, of JetGPT or paying a few bucks a month to, to use it, that of course brings also the benefits and the effect and just the usefulness of generative AI to everybody's desktop. So I think that, as you said, is really something that is that is elevating uh, the notion of, of um, AI, generative AI being, being useful in, in any area, including cyber security, but there's of course also, and you've mentioned that already, um, the conversation about risks, about bias, about compliance issues, and from from your perspective, what are the most pressing challenges uh, that business have to face and have to deal with when they integrate uh, generative AI into their cyber security strategies, especially when for defenses and detection. Sure. Right. Well, first of all, you are
1: absolutely right. Everybody is using ChatGPT now simply because they can. It's True. really uh, extremely affordable. You only need a browser, basically. And yeah, the very idea that you now have this little virtual assistant living in the cloud, which can basically do almost every kind of job for you. I mean, whether you are an analyst or a software developer or a journalist or even Aspiring artists, generative AI can do a lot for you. Some people even fear that they can do everything that you were doing before, and uh, you could totally automate yourself out of your job completely. And uh, those things have already happened for journalists, for example. Uh, so, yeah, there are, there are risks, there are benefits on the kind of the personal, emotional level, but of course, we have to think about other levels as well. For businesses, it's a huge risk in terms of data leaks, because if you just let everyone copy-paste your sensitive documents into essentially a third-party cloud application without any guardrails and controls and DLP tools in place, well, you will be facing the consequences pretty quickly. And again, we already know that uh, such things have already happened. On the other hand, uh, just trying to prohibit uh, this usage completely, at least like in the office, is futile. I mean, we know the same story happened with bring your own devices a few years ago. But basically, the the real uh, working strategy is not to prohibit, but to limit, to guide, and essentially to establish the acceptable use policy for AI. And this is what we've been talking about internally and to our customers for months month already. And this is something which just takes time. And again, this is a topic on its own. Today, we want to actually focus on cybersecurity specifically,
0: right? Exactly, exactly. And when and, and, and you say um, that we are using or we, we should be able in with with proper guardrails, we should be able to use um, generative AI also in, as part of our cybersecurity strategy. Um, what are the most challenge the most pressing challenges? Um, where, where would you focus on when it comes to uh, using that? Of course, this AUP, this acceptable usage or use policy is a standard, a basis to build upon. Uh, but on top of that, what would be a good starting point?
1: Well, I mean, uh, the most trivial use case for generative AI and cyber security is actually the same like everybody, everywhere else. It's just you uh, and change a PT. Uh, it's an ideal uh, assistant uh, which can help you increase your productivity, reduce uh, the time you waste on boring stuff. And most crucially, it can help you with your continuous self-education. And this is a must for every cyber security expert. Regardless of specific area or field, uh, this market, this uh, field moves so fast that you have to basically uh, learn daily, you know, learn something new daily. Uh, otherwise, your expertise, your knowledge will be outdated uh, pretty soon. And ChatGPT is a great tool for that. Uh, like you used to have Google for research, then you had Wikipedia. Now you have ChatGPT, so you can ask lots of questions and get answers immediately. Of course, the most crucial question is, can you trust those answers? And basically, no. Well, you have to take them with a huge pinch of salt every time. We know, for example, that the ChatGPT, the actual namesake, uh, has like a cutoff limit, so it doesn't know things after some date in 2021 or something. So basically, uh, you cannot use ChatGPT for asking questions about really recent events. We also know that uh, all LLMs, large language models, are prone to hallucinating. Basically, they will make up answers, which would look good, but will be completely uh, pulled out of thin air. So for this trivial use case, just using ChatGPT for research and learning, Trust, but verify. So our motto should be zero trust for generative AI, if you will. So you can use it, absolutely, but you have to uh, validate all the results. And the same approach should actually be extended to every more sophisticated use case as well. For example, one other very popular scenario would be uh, using it for training. And again, kind of training, especially in the field of like business continuity, natural disasters, internet cables cut off by a bulldozer or whatever, like something happens and somehow your business uh, just cannot work anymore. Now you have to act quickly, you have to learn to act quickly, you have to train for that in advance. Some huge companies can uh, afford like hiring uh, an external contractor, which would create a perfect testing environment with real journalists uh, cameras rolling everywhere individually crafted scenarios and stuff but it's really expensive i mean we've seen such examples for example at some of our earlier eic's presented by companies like ibm they're great but they are really expensive with uh, generative AI, you can basically do the same uh, but uh, delegate a lot of that uh, world building and uh, incident crafting to an LLM. So it not just reduces your costs significantly, it also makes it more real uh, in the sense that the actual hackers are probably using the same tools to plan their next real attack on you. So you will be basically you have a much more much better feeling of realism and groundedness although of course the entire scenario is made
0: up right and this is also where we come to the where we get to the topic that that also marina in an earlier podcast episode mentioned it's the topic of synthetic data data that looks like as if it was real it feels like it is real and it structures like it like it's real but it's synthetic it simulates it can be used for training and of course this synthetic data can also be used by the attacker for creating real-looking attack scenarios. Um, So this is one of the more modern use cases. Everybody's used to writing texts and making um, um, JetGPT act like um, a poet, act like a journalist, act like a politician. Um, But there are are so much more use cases where where these generative AI systems, be it JetGPT or others, are, are really good and usually often mentioned in podcasts, in videos, on YouTube, is the, the generation of software, of code, of of code fragments supporting uh, developers in 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 creating more efficient, better code, also more secure code. Is secure by design software through generative AI a thing?
1: Right. Well first of all you mentioned the term synthetic data and yeah absolutely one could even argue that everything any kind of gen AI generates is basically synthetic data of different kind. It can be text, it can be an image, or audio, or even video. I mean, have you seen the latest uh, examples by uh, OpenEye Sora, I believe it's called? It's crazy realistic. But of course, uh, businesses are also interested uh, in more structured kinds of data. Source code for applications you just mentioned. Data collected, and processed uh, through like free format sources but uh, made uh, palatable for automated uh, analysis, for example, uh, by ChatGPT and similar solutions. That's great for business intelligence and analytics. Or testing... Like there are so many uh, uh, potential use cases, and again, kind of they're all great. Some are directly related to cybersecurity. You have to understand that uh, this is even more work in progress than natural language or audio or images. I mean, I've seen some uh, recent examples of code generated by uh, LLMs, and of course, there are already tools, uh, even free tools, available if you are given a boring task, I don't know, like create a, a sorting algorithm for a specific kind of data. Absolutely, ChatGPT uh, will generate your uh, a function in Python or Java or whatever other supported. And you can reuse it and it will probably work even better than uh, the similar function crafted uh, by yourself the problem of course is uh, can you scale it up can you for example say okay let's fire the entirety of our development team and let chatgpt create uh, a business application for well uh, so far i believe we are not there yet but it, it mm-hmm. might change very quickly i mean the progress is amazing however who told uh, you that uh, the code generated by chatgpt is error free that it's inherently better and the code crafted by humans that's again it's absolutely not true again zero trust for ai trust but verify and we actually have this whole uh process figured out decades ago for every line of source code you have to create unit tests for example in your development pipeline you have to build uh, and integrate uh automatic tools, uh, searching for vulnerabilities, searching for hard-coded secrets, searching for other kinds of uh, mistakes. And sure, all of those tools can be also powered by uh, other language models. And maybe we will end up uh, in a few years' time somewhere when 99% of the entire software development process would be automated. The question is, can we actually make this leap of faith and you go to 100%? No. For one simple reason. some This is still someone's liability. And at least now, you cannot assign liability to an AI. There still has to be a human with a last name and a signature and a bank account who is responsible for any problems caused by that AI. And it better not be your CEO or even yourself, right? Absolutely. So
0: it's the same principle that you mentioned when it comes to training and using um um, gen ai developed or presented information for your own training just verify that things are correct and this is even more the same principle when it comes to generating code making sure uh, that it does not only look good and and work good at first sight but that it's properly designed properly secured and really up to the standards that you want to have them i think that's that's the same zero trust for ai just in the coding in the coding area but another topic that's really gaining more and more attention also through products that are out there is actually turning things a bit around when you have the security analyst looking at at an event log, at a CM, when it comes to analyzing, you said earlier, cutting through the noise or reducing the noise, filtering the noise, trying to identify what's really important in all these signals that you see. There are those um, specialized security-trained LLMs come up that come with a promise to support the analyst in finding the important stuff, something like Microsoft Security Copilot. But there are other efforts by IBM, by other vendors, that come with the promise that they can do things much better, more efficient than the analyst, so that they ideally can focus on the final 10% where it needs to be actionable, Um, Are there any limitations in these systems that you would um, want to make organizations aware of? Well,
1: uh, speaking of those uh, specialized security tools, uh, I just wanted to uh, make a a hint that our colleague, a fellow analyst, uh, Warwick Ashford, just recently published an entire leadership compass on those, quote-unquote, intelligent theme platforms, which is exactly Mm -hmm. that kind of tool, which not only just collects everything uh, that happening within your organization with regards to IT threats, but also, well, kind of applies intelligence, if you will, including applying a generative AI to those findings and essentially helping you do your job as a security analyst. Uh, so there is a lot of those tools, and those tools, uh, they didn't just appear overnight after ChatGPT. I mean, we know that uh, machine learning uh Specialized NLP algorithms and other AI applications have been uh, used by those tools for years now, almost a decade. And of course, with ChatGPT and other LLMs, they will become even more convenient, even more automated, and even more approachable by a kind of less technically inclined people. But that's great. And there is one fundamental thing you have to always keep in mind that it's not the AI or ChatGPT specifically that makes those tools great or mediocre. It's kind of the rest of the, the, the technologies and tech, uh, which you usually do not see directly. You know, that uh, principle garbage in garbage out, it was actually, if not invented, but at least technology by uh, Charles Babbage himself, the guy who invented the first mechanical computer, which happened like no. Uh, late uh, 19th century. No uh, sophisticated machine can give you the right answer uh, if you are giving wrong inputs to it, right? And it especially applies for security tools because if you do not collect enough security telemetry, if your uh, machine learning model is trained insufficiently on a, or for example inherently biased or poisoned data set, It will never be able to produce a sensible response, even if you are asking the right questions and even if you are observing the real uh, attack happening. You mentioned Microsoft Security Copilot. It's a popular tool, but again, it's popular not because it has the best AI. It's popular because it has the best threat intelligence, telemetry network, and Microsoft even has their own cloud to run all that. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Those tools are are already there, they will even become better as we have more and more sophisticated uh, Gen AI technologies embedded into them. They will be more convenient. But again, never trust a label. Uh, look behind the, the fancy bells and whistles. Ask a serious questions to the vendor. How they are collecting the data? What kind of data they're using for training? Are those data exclusively synthetic, or are they based on real-life uh, events happening to their customers? How many customers do they have? Like, uh, Are they representative enough to cover your environment as well, for example? Again, when we are talking about AI biases, uh, it's not necessarily related to race or color or something else. It also... Uh, effectively relates to you as a potential peer among all the other users of the security tool. Whether you are a bank or a tiny analyst house like we are, your entire digital footprint is completely different. The question is, can the vendor, can this particular security product model actually efficiently cover your digital footprint and understand what's going on? That should be the Highest priority question to every vendor, not how many them.
0: Absolutely, fully agreed. We're talking about this topic, and the the initial spark for this for this conversation today was your blog post that you put online. And I just want to highlight, um, first of all, it's really worth the read, um, and I think you're the only analyst that we have who can cover in such a topping the topic that's called generative AI. It's a matter of trust, both the tulip craze. And Charles Babbage, and still focus on the topic, and still bring uh, and transfer all the important messages. So I just want to highlight to the audience: please go to our website, read uh, Alex's blog post. It's really worth the read. Um, a, a final thought that you mentioned in the in the blog post is uh, the, the 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 idea of leveraging le- leveraging collective wisdom. So using the wisdom around Gen AI, not. From GenAI, but to talk to your peers, to um, similar companies, to learn from the community. Why did you end up on on that note?
1: Well, again, this is of course uh, at least like at least I try to hint uh, on more than one thing. One is obviously any kind of generative AI by default relies on the crowd wisdom because it sources all the inputs from around the world. That's one thing. The second thing is that yes you have to always remember that you are the member of a crowd whether you like it or not and you have to make sure that uh, that specific tool understands you in that regard but finally last not least of course we are talking about a very real and very interesting crowd we are going to collect uh, this tune in berlin at another uh, european identity cloud conference where we will be hosting our A really interesting discussion around all these topics. And uh, there will be definitely more uh, than one and even more than a dozen of really high caliber experts in that field who would give you the opportunity not just to listen to interesting sessions and keynotes, but to actually talk to them directly. And again, kind of tap into the real wisdom of the real security crowd. So let's hope we all meet there. And have a really interesting continuation of this discussion. Absolutely,
0: just just to 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 highlight these even more, it will not only cover just identity; it will go beyond. It will go uh, towards identity-related security and towards cybersecurity. And as we've mentioned today, and as we've learned today, uh, cybersecurity and, and Gen AI are uh, strong partners, and they need to be well understood to make them partners and not in uh, implicit um, um, enemies. So. Thank you very much, Alexei, for being my guest today. I'm looking forward to seeing you in June in Berlin, but hopefully talking much earlier to you in another podcast episode. Running up to EIC, we we will have um, a lot of episodes that will cover topics that will be relevant at EIC and beyond. Otherwise, they wouldn't be relevant. Um, And I'm really looking forward to talking to you again about that. Thank you, Alexei, for being my guest today.
1: Thank you, Matthias, and goodbye. Bye-bye.